بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and many more and many more. Alrighty, so we have completed Al-Fatiha and so that took literally uh, a little over a week. And now, so now we're going to get into Al-Baqarah <clears throat> and so some preliminary information on Surah Al-Baqarah. First and foremost, uh, the names of the surahs are primarily for the purposes of identification. So surah names, we might think because of our modern Western uh, conditioning, that the, the, the sewer names are also summaries. Sometimes they are, right? Al-Fatiha, the opener, is also the function of the surah itself in relation to the rest of the Quran. Um, Asim, you're applauding or you're raising your hand? Yeah. I meant to raise my hand and then I... Yes. Um, were these surahs named at the time of the Prophet or were they um given names like you know afterwards for identification so in most cases perhaps all cases uh names came from the prophet peace be upon him himself uh, uh but if you go to the oldest copies of the quran you're not going to see the names of there so these names are are in some cases preserved in the hadith or they're handed down in the process of teaching the quran itself because uh, the Prophet peace be upon him has multiple names for Al-Fatiha, Al-Baqarah, yes, comes from the Prophet peace be upon him, Ali Imran, and Nisa, yeah, uh, Al-Ma'idah, yeah. But uh, there might be some where I'm forgetting whether or not they actually originally um, coming from him. And it is common for him to have given multiple names for for surahs. You know. So Al-Baqarah, in terms of the name, might be referring to. might be referring to the story of Moses telling his people to slaughter a cow. Uh, and it could be that that name is very emblematic or symbolic about the entire surah. Um, awesome, is your tiny baby okay? <laughs> okay, is, uh, or, no, or maybe because that's the only place where this story is mentioned when the surah's name is mentioning that then you know which surah we are referring to again the primary purpose of the names of the surahs in contrast to contemporary storytelling the primary purpose is identification not summarizing okay uh, any questions about the namings of the surahs for the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them, very often as the surahs were being formed, they might have identified, they might, or I mean, they did identify the surahs, uh, if not by the names, then by the first few ayahs. In the same way that if I said to uh, a little kid, can you recite Al Ikhlas to me? They'll be like, what? But if I say, can you recite Qul Huallahu Ahad? Then many kids will say, like, oh, yeah, sure. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and so. So no questions about the... Oh, wait, you don't even see the notes that I'm taking. 
So no questions about the namings. Okay. So then from there, uh, a couple other tidbits about the surah. <clears throat> surah al-Baqarah is Madani overall. And so Makki and Madani surahs uh, uh, indicate whether it was revealed before or after the Hijra. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, is in Mecca for give or take about 13 years preaching, goes into exile into Yathrib, a.k.a. Medina, where he is for another decade until he dies. So in that period of exile, in the migration uh, known as the Hijra, if he received passages before, excuse me, then Madani or the uh, Makki, because it's essentially Makkah, and then if he's received the passages after migration, then Madani. And so Al-Baqarah is Madani overall, uh, but the last two surahs were revealed before the Hijrah, and they were revealed while the Prophet, peace be upon him, was on the night journey. And the case is that the entirety of the Quran, except for those two passages, revealed by Allah to the angel Gabriel, to the prophet, peace be upon him. The last two ayahs revealed by Allah directly to the prophet, peace be upon him, um, during the experience of the night journey. It is also said in the same way that Al-Fatiha is a summary of the entirety of the Quran. Even those last two ayahs are also looked at as a summary of the entire Quran. But, and most of you might be familiar with this, Makki versus Madani Surahs. So this is before Hijra. After Hijra. Real quick question. Can anyone tell without looking up what year are we in the Islamic calendar? What Hijri year? Like currently? At this exact moment. Um, are you actually counting? 14. Four, four, fourteen, forty-four. Oh, mashallah, most impressive. So, um, so uh, before Hijra, after Hijra, and then Makki tend to focus more content is much more on Iman. So I totally spelled that one wrong. And the content tends to focus much more on law or action <clears throat> and there are other there are other basic differences the maki surahs in being the original surahs being revealed in focusing on iman will spoke focus much more on matters of the oneness of god the finality of the prophet the inevitability of the day of judgment the madani surahs in focus much more on law we'll get into much more about rules and such Okay. Any question about the differences of the surahs? Al-Fatiha, vast majority opinion, it is that it is not only Makki, but it was the first full surah revealed, and in the line of revelation, it was probably around number three, give or take, of the revelations, maybe number four, uh, of the revelation that the Prophet, peace be upon him, received. There is a minority opinion that he received it twice, once in early on, like the fourth revelation, Another, that he received again upon arriving in Medina. 
but Allah knows best. Most of these are literally matters of majority opinion, minority opinion. Um, very rarely, except for something like no God, but God is it a unanimous opinion. Awesome. Um, is there any analysis that anyone has done of the order in which the names of Allah were revealed? Uh, I'm sure, but I am not familiar with it. So, and was your question referring to anything in particular? Well, like as you meant, like when you mentioned the order in which verses were revealed, and a uh, <laughs> a big part of um, the sort of conversations we've had are about what names of Allah come early in the Quran. Like, what are the first name? I, I was wondering if that uh, tracks across Revelation as well. So uh, I know the order is different. Uh, uh, if we include attributes, so there's just those that are officially names. But if the first revelation the Prophet peace be upon him received was Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi halak. So it read in the name of your Rabb, right, who created them. So Khaliq is not mentioned, though it's one of the names, but Khalaq. And in terms of the list of the 99, that comes much later. Okay. Okay, so now getting into the structure of the surahs. One of the nicknames uh, given is a surah of the two ummahs. And thus the structure of the surah is as follows. So we have four parts to the surah. Ayahs 1 through 39, and then Ayahs 40 to 74. No, I'm sorry. I have 40 to 124. I have 75 to 284. And then the last two Ayahs. Boom. Uh, Mustafa, exactly. Yeah. So, this is the introduction. 1 to 39 is the introduction. 285, 286 is the conclusion. And then we have the Ummah of Musa, peace be upon him, and the Ummah of Muhammad, peace be upon him. And you notice from 75 to 124, the two overlap each other. Is in that space where the two are overlapping, Allah is speaking to us about them. So 40 to 74, Allah is speaking to them. 75 to 124, he is speaking to us about them. Yeah. And then 125 all the way to 284, Allah is speaking to us about us. With a few small references uh, to them and such. This is the structure of the surah. Ideally, and we may not get that far, we are going to complete the introduction over the course of Ramadan. And some of you have already gone through this with me before, so it's, it's a, a, a hopefully a refresher. 
But that lays out the introduction. So now focusing on the structure of the introduction. So to one to 39. First, we have Aleph Lamim, which we will discuss shortly. Then from Ayah's two to, uh, to 20, we have models of belief and rejection. Okay. 21 through 29, foundational concepts. And then 30 to 39, we have the origin stories. Okay. Story of Adam and Eve, peace be upon them, and the accursed devil. Okay. Any questions about any of this so far? Okay. So. Thus, having said that. <clears throat> Let's get now into Aya 1. So, this is Alif Lamim. So, even if we write it in Arabic, or if we write just the letter names like I did up there as Alif Lamim, it still misses a bit of the recitation. Because the lam and the meme are are extended. Oops. So, tell me anything and everything about Aleph Lamim. Anybody? So the first obvious thing we don't know what it means except for Allah. Okay, that's out of the way. Although that applies to the entire Quran anyway. Any other? Thoughts, reflections about these disconnected letters. Mustafa, what do you got? Uh, I mean, they start with the first letter in the Arabic language. So sure. maybe, that... maybe that's something meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> Dania. They're melodic, just reciting them the way they are, and then the extension for the lamb and the meme. They just. Mm -hmm. Sounds nice. Okay. And you're not just saying that just because, you know, you've heard it so many times. And I feel like they roll off the tongue nicely. Like just even the way the your mouth forms alif lam and meme. Mm -hmm. It just yep. it works so naturally. You, you don't you don't have to try for it. That is one of the theories that alif is uh, and then lam is from the middle and meme is from the front. That's uh, one of the theories behind these specific three letters. Uh, Mustafa. Now, another interesting thing is, um, like, <clears throat> one could mistakenly read it as, like, um, the word pain, but it's not that. It's mm -hmm. written in a way that could look like that, but totally. we actually recite it as each individual letter. Mm-hmm. 
So you raise an important point. Suppose I'm an Arab who somehow has never, ever heard uh, anything about Islam, never heard the Quran. And I open up a page of the Quran and I see this. And I might pronounce this as alima, uh, especially an old Quran that won't have any voweling, or alam, right, an interrogative. And so how do I know to pronounce this as alif lamim? How do I know? Anybody? The Quran is a primarily oral tradition. So can I make the whole point? What does that mean then? The point is, you know it because that's how the prophet recited it. And so that's how the people he taught recited it. And then the people they taught recited it all the way down to it. Yes. So, so the point here is an easy to forget primary aspect of Islam is the living aspect of Islam. And there are a number of things that are preserved that aren't written down. So the obvious one is the Quran. And so how do I know to pronounce this as this as Alif Lamim? Because I was taught by someone who was taught by someone who was taught by someone who was taught, going all the way back to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Because think about how long it would take to write out how do you pronounce every single letter. And that would take volumes upon volumes upon volumes to do for the entire Quran. Right. Because as we know from the rules of recitation, the letter ra, depending upon the vowels involved in the word, will either be ra or ra. The letter lam will be la or la, right, depending upon uh, the, the, the vowels in the word and such. And so this is uh, um, a very big reminder of this living tradition. What are other things that are preserved? Usually the only thing we talk about is the Quran being preserved. What else is preserved? Hadith. So hadith, sort of, right? Meaning hadith, not in the way the Quran is preserved. Hadith are, are more manually and, preserved. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're talking yeah. about uh, prayer. Yeah. Prayer. That prayer is, I think, a more fascinating miracle than the Quran's preservation. Because the Quran is written in book form shortly after the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him. There's no manual written for how to pray. In the Hadith literature, if I wanted to look on how to pray, it's still going to be 100 Hadith, right? For each of the different parts. You'll have a few Hadith that are very long giving the overview. But then the, all the specific parts, you know, there's not a central manual. And so then it gets more fascinating <clears throat> that... There's no manual on how to, how to pray. And so a family or a kid in Chicago will learn how to pray the same way a kid in Sub-Saharan Africa who will learn the same way a kid in Cairo, same way as a kid in, in India, ways the same as a kid in Indonesia, so forth and so on. Even though we have all levels of literacy and illiteracy in our community, and then you go to Hajj and you see everybody prays the same way. Even the minor differences are also traced back to the Prophet, peace be upon him. That, I think, is an even bigger open miracle, the preservation of the prayer, than the preservation of the Quran. You know, 
And when we're looking for miracles, it's harder to evaluate the miraculousness of the Quran unless you already have some level of uh, um, uh, study, some level of learning. Uh, and then from there, in general, the ibadahs are preserved. So not just prayer, fasting. I mean, fasting, there isn't really much to preserve, but the, the process of fasting is also the same everywhere. What you do within the fast might vary, but the, the fast itself, the zakat itself, all these, the sunnahs, essentially what we're saying, are also preserved. Sunnahs in reference to the acts of worship. So, so these things are all preserved. Now, of course, in Catholic tradition, mass is going to be the same way. You know, if I if I do mass um, in in England, if I uh, in a Catholic church in England, if I do mass. Uh, in a Catholic church in in uh, Cairo, as opposed to a Coptic church, there the slight difference you can say is that there is a central authority that prescribes exactly how to do everything. We do not have that, and yet in the practice of the people, all of this is preserved. Okay, uh, and then Jewel mentioned uh, was the Aleph meant for Allah? Allah knows best. There is uh, there are different interpretations for what does Aleph Lam Mim mean. And so one is Allah knows all. And this comes from the commentary by Abdullah ibn al-Abbas. What is the meaning of alif lam mim? That may have been his answer just for those letters or it could be the answers for all the disconnected letters that begin the surahs. Sadia. Oh, I forgot my hand was still up. That I think I just it was, huh? Well, that is the key as a teacher. Just make them hold their hand up. They get some exercise <laughs> and then they forget the question. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it was uh, when you asked the question about um, the meaning of, uh, I mean, al-Islam meme or some, I mean, when you were asking about what does it mean to you and whatnot. And so I was thinking that basically it's opening with something that we don't know mm -hmm. and so it shows that we have to believe that there are things unseen that mm -hmm. we would have to i so mean this, belief in the unseen basically so this is a, another commentary on al-flamim is that these surahs begin with ambiguity and then the ayahs that come after it are very clear. So if we do a quick analysis, we after Alif Lamim, we have This is the book, No Doubt. And we'll revisit this ayah uh, when we get to it. But this is the book, there's no doubt in it. So we start with ambiguity and then we have absolute clarity. Then if we go to Oops. Well, we can look at this one too, but uh, we'll get to that. About 29 surahs begin with these. Keep typing 30. Uh, begin with these disconnected letters. Alif, the third surah also begins with Alif Lam Mim. God, there is no God but Him, the living ever watchful. And then, step by step, Nazala alaik al kitaba bil so he sent down the kitab with truth. 
And then you will see this over and over again. So if we jump forward to Surah 11, Alif Lam Ra, Kitabun Ahkimat. Uh, so this is the scripture who so verses who are essentially established but perfected also works whose ayahs uh, and such are established and so what we see over and over again is after the disconnect the letters reference most of the time to the book so those are the ayahs of the clear scripture. Again and again and again. A few exceptions. One exception is Surah Maryam, Surah 19. Even the letters are very different. Kaf, Haya, Ain, Saad. And then we get into the story of the Rahmah that Allah gave to Zakariya. Zakaria was the, was the prophet, peace be upon him, who was the caretaker of little Maryam, alayha salam, uh, in her story. And then when she has uh, uh, all these miraculous things happening, like food coming to her, that compels him to, in his old age, to pray for a son. So that's one difference. Another, for example, is a surah that I kept opening up to, Surah Rum. Begins with Alif Lamim, Surah 30, the Romans. The Romans, the Byzantines have been defeated. No mention of anything else, like related to the book or anything like that. If we were to look at all of these combined as the same message, then the common message is that Allah is giving mercy. Two ways. One way he's giving mercy, one way he's giving rahmah is by the uh, the advent of revelation or the event of revelation of words, which includes the prophets, peace be upon them. A second way is the way he is unfolding history. We might speak of them as the days of Allah in contrast to the words of Allah. So this is another reading is that they imply the Rahmah of Allah. Okay, you know the people are raising your hand for a while. Uh, Mustafa, Asim, and then Sadia. So the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah like, has a very special uh, place in my heart, honestly, because it was like... Uh, it was where I first started when I started asking a lot of questions um and i remember when i read the tafsir for elif lam mim and was like nobody knows what it means i was like what do you mean nobody knows what it means i want an answer and um an aspect to that that like i gradually came to realize is in many ways i felt like it was straining for me to accept the fact that i'm not going to be able to have the answers to everything or find the answers to everything um but then also within surah al-baqarah i feel like there's a lot of contrast that is done um like god talks about um something and then contrasts it to another in order to deliver meaning and i think the 
uh, ambiguity and then clarity is also one of the contrasts that we can actually take. And I think it's representative of guidance or the Quran for us and what it does for us. It provides clarity for us in our lives. So, okay, very nice. Asim. Were you saying something awesome or are you speaking right now? Yes, I was. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to say is since you, since I learned the definition of rub from you, I don't know, 15 years ago at this point, but um, I've always thought about these ayahs as like a reminder of that relationship, as in we're moving from confusion to clarity. Um, and I always thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another question, which is that in some cases that you showed us, these disjointed letters are their own ayah, and in some cases they are not. Is, there any, question. is there any significance to that? That's a wonderful question. So <clears throat> uh, what makes an ayah an ayah? There's only one answer. And that one answer is? God said so. Yeah, so essentially... This is what the prophet peace be upon him taught us, and so so there are multiple opinions in some cases, but even those get traced back to the prophet peace be upon him. So exactly, uh, the disconnected letters might be their own ayah. Uh, they might be the beginning of an ayah. The only consistent thing we can find is there's never an ayah that's one letter long. Every ayah, at the very least, will be two letters. Uh, but what makes an ayah an ayah is not related to sentences. Uh, sometimes a sentence is cut in the half. In half, uh, part of it will be in the first ayah, part of it will be in the next ayah. Sometimes an ayah is ten sentences long. This is called tawqifi. So this is basically handed to us by the prophet peace be upon him, and we take it as is. In the same way. Why do we do the acts of worship the way we do? This is what the prophet gave us. Why do we do two sajdas instead of three? Because uh, this is what the prophet gave us, peace be upon him. We can develop cool interpretations. Like, for example, we stand and then we bow. And then the real submission is putting our face on the ground, so we do it twice. Or the devil refused to do one prostration, and we show we're better by doing two prostrations. Cool interpretations, all secondary. The primary reason that we do these acts of worship as is, is because that is what is handed down. And then the the last little bit of my my commentary, I guess, is also having these letters and accepting that we don't know what they mean, uh, and that answer being enough is a type of submission as well. Exactly. Perfect segue to the next point. That overall, and this is the biggest point, by accepting, I don't know what it means. So when Mustafa went through that process of, I don't know what this means, Allah knows what this means, and I may never be told we are going through a process of intellectual submission. It may be that the answers to the meanings are completely obvious, and yet none of us have noticed it. It may be that the prophet, peace be upon him, knows the meanings of these ayahs, and it was lost in time. 
if he shared it or that he did not share it. But this process of me recognizing that there are limits to my knowledge that Allah is not limited by is a process of intellectual submission. Not only that, that there are limits to my knowledge that the Prophet, peace be upon him, may not be limited by is also an act of submission to Allah because the Prophet's knowledge is coming from Allah. Yeah. Sadia. Um, um, no, I remembered I took a note. Um, so, um, I, I can't remember if I read it somewhere or if I was listening to a scholar or somebody, but they said that, um, all the ayat, all the surahs that start with Alif, Lam, Ra, there is, they always have the next ayah about the Quran. That's all of them, whether it's yeah. Alif Lam Ra, Alif Lam Mim, oh, uh, really? Hamim, yeah, except for literally a small handful. So they were only talking about Alif Lam Ra, and they only, and they specifically talk about something very specific about Quran, and they said there was seven of them. So it just reminded me when we were uh, going through. Um, there could be some specific depictions of, of the Quran, but even right here, the surah, Alif right. Lam Mim, and then right so, there, it's, okay. yeah. Right, right. Um, that's, that's possible. So in the, the Quranic commentary by Farahi and Islahi from the subcontinent, commonly officially called the Dabur of the Quran, uh, they speak of this idea that each surah has a nazam, nazam, uh, essentially like this central structure and such. And in their commentary, if a, if the disconnected letter is in alif, you'll find this in the content. If if a disconnected letter is ha, you'll find this in the content. If a disconnected letter is is ra, you'll find this. It's not very precise because just about every surah has just about everything in it, um, but. Um, there is some thought-provoking uh, analysis there anyway. And so whoever you were listening to was probably quoting them and their approach. But yeah, Allah knows best. Probably. So, Mustafa. Another thing I also like noticed at the time was that not knowing what this means did not in any way impact the rhetoric that we were given. And that we are given what we need in order to be able to conclude whether God exists or not and whether mm -hmm. these words are true or not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I feel went. like there's also this like humbling part of um, there's a humbling aspect to that because like you are given what you need and you're given exactly that, no more, no less. Mm -hmm. um, uh, supporting your point, I would suggest that the ambiguity of this is also what we need. And then, <clears throat> having said that, perfect segue, what are other ambiguities in the Quran? Think. Think what else is there that is big ambiguity beyond these disconnected letters i'll give you an easy answer one is when is the day of judgment 
which by extension includes when is my death. Those are, outside of guidance, the biggest ambiguities, I would suggest, of existence. And then from there, how wide is the Rahmah of Allah? It is a gigantic ambiguity. Is his Rahmah narrow or is it super wide? We don't know. That, I'd say, is another major ambiguity of the text. That one of the gifts Allah gives us by way of revelation is to know of his Rahmah, to know that it is somewhat wide. But then how wide does it go? Allah knows best. And so in terms of interpretation of the text, the first point I made is that we all agree, or it is officially agreed upon, that nobody knows what these disconnected letters mean. But by extension, nobody, this is textbook Sunni Shia thought, uh, as opposed to some of the other theology, theological movements over the centuries, that... <clears throat> Technically speaking, nobody truly knows what any of the other ayahs mean either. That Allah has given us words and aql, intellect, through which to try to derive meaning. But the true meaning is whatever Allah says they are. In the same way that we are speaking of ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim in the previous surah, that we can grammatically say ar-Rahman is the highest in Rahmah, ar-Rahim is the eternal in Rahmah, but the true meaning of Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, only Allah knows. And so that applies to the entirety of the text. And so the process of guidance then, so the process, oh, let me change that to the process of understanding. And by understanding, I mean what Allah wants from us is always an interpretation of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and then in Sunni tradition, plus the Sahaba, in Shia tradition, the Imams, and then the legacy of scholarship. Okay. It is always a process of interpretation, which then means what? A lot of times we want to know what's the right answer, but there might be four different answers. So one of the goofy things that's going on right now is because my students have four different apps uh, for prayer times, they have four different times for, for, for when iftar is going to happen. And then they're asking, well, which one's the correct one? They're actually all using methods based on sound processes of reasoning, resulting in four different times for iftar. And a lot of it has to do with the angles of, of the sun's rise and fall and all that stuff. And so literally, uh, as was the case yesterday and will be the case, inshallah, today, you had one group of people that broke their fast like at 7.11 or 7.13 or something, Another that broke their fast two minutes later. Another that broke their fast a few minutes after that because they had different timings on their phones. Of course, if they're at, where we did iftar, there was no window. So we could all have just looked out the window and said, hmm, looks like Maghrib to me. And, and so it is very common then to have 
as many, oh, mashallah, look at, there's one baby, there's little baby Yasin, and then a uh, little uh, baby Rafiq. So, so the, the point here being that the process of trying to derive what Allah is seeking will often result in multiple sound answers. And yet in the entire giant ummah of interpretation, usually it winds up with two, three, four interpretations. Yeah. More often than that, two interpretations in just about every issue. Okay, any questions about all this? Maybe Yasin, do you have any questions? Well, Yasin wants to be able to see clearly, so he wants mama's glasses. But no other questions, thoughts, reflections? About Alif Lamim. So, what is the of of this whole list? The big big thing to take is by me accepting that I have limits that Allah is not bound by. Then I've gone through a process of intellectual submission. By me accepting that I have limits that Allah has imposed upon me that He has not imposed, for example, on the Prophet peace be upon him is another illustration of this intellectual submission. And the fun thing we're going to see is this pattern is going to play out quite a bit in these next few ayahs as well. Asim. Um, I asked this in the chat, but uh, is there any uh, promise of revealing what these letters mean at any point? Uh, the closest thing would be that on the Day of Judgment, no, no, in Paradise, we're going to be given the true meaning of every of all these ayahs to the point that we'll be in conversation with Allah almost as though we're holding copies of the Quran going through what does this mean Allah Ta'ala explains it all gives us all the cheat codes yeah uh, now when we get to the realm of Sufis then there are other types of knowledge that are given that are that are also revealed this may be in there but it's all up to Allah Ta'ala Sabrine Um, I don't, okay, so I kind of missed a lot because he slammed his finger. Oh, no. Oh, the tiny baby. Yeah. Um, back to the ambiguity thing. You said the day of judgment is ambiguous? Like when's going to happen? Oh, okay. So. I thought that was like one of the things that was guaranteed that. that... Oh, that it'll happen? <laughs> guarantee. Yeah. When it'll happen? Not a guarantee. What will happen to me? Big ambiguous. Should we just spend the rest of the class time? I think I got his attention. La 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 la. Yeah. I do much better with babies. Although there was this period of time where babies used to love me, they used to climb on top of me. And then this period of time where they all became afraid of me. But now it seems like they've returned. The baby love for Muzaffar has returned. And maybe they just think I'm a giant baby shaped baby okay <laughs> no other questions thoughts reflections <laughs> babies have their own yes yeah very good all righty we will then stop right here inshallah and class will continue day after day after day inshallah uh, i don't recall any days coming up where we don't have class i was actually it almost turned out i was not supposed to have class today i was i was supposed to be part of uh, a discussion here and then they told me it was canceled and i said that's the greatest thing i've ever heard anytime a meeting is canceled that's awesome okay we will stop here we'll continue tomorrow with ayah number two
Oh wait, Sabrina, you're you're lifting your finger as though you yeah, have a question. I'm sorry. It's not actually in regards to this specifically, but the homework they gave us. They the grateful you said memorizing the names and then the grateful journal. You said one or three a day. I just wanted clarity. Three. Three different ones every day. I feel like I've been getting this homework assignment for the last 15 years. Yeah, uh, I would agree because I remember giving it to you. You know, I remember you sitting right here. You know? Yeah. So usually what happens with my homework assignments is I will give them over and over again for give a pretty uh, give or take anywhere from four to, yes, 15 years before someone finally does them. And they're like, oh, wow, this was such a good homework assignment. Yeah. So you're right I, on schedule. I didn't, I didn't agree. I didn't agree upon it. 15 years ago but now it is much easier mashallah mashallah growth mm -hmm. maturity yeah, yeah. Mustafa. yeah. <laughs> i thought that uh you meant that you've actually been doing the assignment for the past 15 years and i was like mashallah that's uh <laughs> very oh. impressive three things to be grateful for uh a day oh. for 15 years. We'll, we'll pretend we'll pretend I that wish. You've been. yeah i wish that would have been amazing, but yeah, life got in the way sometimes. All the homework I give you all, I also either do or have done. They're all field tested. So, starting with me. So, and your last questions, thoughts, reflections. Are you speaking at CIUGC's Quran Reflection Series? I don't think so. Uh, the executive director I ran into at Midway Airport. Um, like two weekends ago and he asked me if they called me yet and i said no and so maybe i'm on the list but they haven't contacted me we'll see okay any other questions thoughts reflections all righty we will stop right here we will celebrate the fact that we went through a whole class and kibria did not say a single word which is kind of astonishing and he just left the screen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu la ilaha illa anta nastafiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah tell a reward you all, inshallah, and we'll see you, inshallah, tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.